Welcome to Classic Comedy of Old Time Radio. I'm your host, Ron Ecklebarger. Today we get to enjoy our last episode of The Bickersons, and it's another special one. In 1963, Francis Langford and Don Amici went back into the studio to record a second record album. Remember last week, we listened to The Bickersons' record album from 1961. Now, this recording we're going to listen to today, the second record album, like the previous one, was released with four tracks, two on each side of the record, and we will listen to all four of the tracks. Now, in this record, the tracks are simply entitled Round 1, Round 2, Round 3, and Round 4. Here now is the 1963 record entitled The Bickersons Fight Back. I just don't understand how two people can dirty so many dishes. Seems like the minute I get through with one stack, there's another. I tell you, John Bickerson, I'm not going to stand for this much longer. Every one of my friends has made at least one day out of John. John Bickerson. How can you fall asleep at the breakfast table? It ain't easy with all that talking going on. Wake me in five minutes, Blanche. No, you don't. You just get busy and help out. I'm tired, Blanche. That's just an excuse. Did you ever see that sweet young couple next door? Now there's a husband for you. He waits on her hand and foot. He's an idiot. He never lets her do anything alone. On Monday, he washed the dishes with her. On Tuesday, he cleaned the silver with her. On Wednesday, he ironed the clothes with her. What do you suppose he did on Thursday? He mopped up the floor with her. He did not. Well, he should have. Listen, Blanche, I got enough problems of my own, and I'm not interested in that stupid couple next door. Can't even get you to do the simplest chore. I do plenty. I begged you to have the electric orange squeezer fixed. Did you take it to the electrician? No. Well, I didn't have to. I fixed it myself. How could you fix it? It needed a new motor. I hooked it up to the vacuum cleaner. Vacuum cleaner? Does it work? It works fine. Except it sucks up the juice and spits the pits in your face. What time is it? You've got plenty of time. I'll have breakfast ready in a minute. I don't want any more. This oatmeal is plenty. What oatmeal? Where'd you get oatmeal? What kind of talk is that? It was on the top of the stove. I ate the whole pot. That wasn't oatmeal. That was wallpaper paste. Oh, no. You promised to paper the bathroom this morning. Wallpaper paste. Now, how are you going to put the wallpaper up? I'll lick it in place. Blanche, how can you worry about wallpaper when I'm practically poisoned? Oh, you're not poisoned. It's just flour and water. Go take an antidote, and I'll whip up a nice omelet. I'm not hungry anymore. Don't be like that, John. I've already got the powdered eggs on. Now all I have to do is chop up the turnips and peel the frog legs. It's a wonderful dish. I'm not eating any powdered frog's legs. Just taste it. That's all I ask. Not me. First time I ever saw green eggs. That's from the skunk cabbage. I got the recipe from my mother. It looks like your mother. What did you say? Nothing, nothing. Look, Blanche, I'm just getting tired of these outlandish dishes you keep making. Like what? Like that rhubarb pie you made yesterday. What was the matter with it? Matter with it? Who ever heard of a pie two feet long? Well, I couldn't get any shorter rhubarb. <laughs> Let's have an understanding now, Blanche. I hate rhubarb, and stop making me seven-layer broccoli cakes and sheep soup. I never made sheep.
sheep soup in my life. It's good, healthy possum broth. Yes, possum broth. Yes, possum broth. Just because I have a little imagination in cooking is no reason you should pick on me. I'm not picking, Blanche. Why don't you come out and say it? You hate my cooking. I don't hate it. I just don't understand it. You hate it. I tell you, I don't hate it. You do, you do, you do. Don't I eat everything you make? Then why do you always get tomaine poisoning? <laughs> then I'll go figure that one out. Blanche, do you mind if I get dressed and go to work? I don't care what you do. Get dressed. I will as soon as you finish wiping the dishes with my shirt. Uh, well, you shouldn't have hung it in the towel rack. Where else could I hang it? You made me sleep in the kitchen, didn't you? I didn't know my sister Clara was coming to spend the night, and I can't help it if we only have one bedroom. Fold up your cot. Find a place to sleep on a cot in the kitchen. Now, what's wrong with it? There isn't enough room in here to swing a cat. You leave the cat alone. I never touch the cat. There's plenty of room in here. There is not. There is two. If you'd put the breakfast table on top of the refrigerator and the canary cage in the washing machine, then you could shove the stove in the doorway and you'd have plenty of room for the cot between the sink and the cat's sandbox. I tried that. The cot's too short. My head lopped over into the sink and that leaky faucet gave me an all-night shampoo. You should have worn a shower cap. Anyway, Clara's gone now, and you won't have to sleep in the kitchen tonight. Fine. I felt terrible about her leaving before having any breakfast. She didn't need any breakfast. She was in here 14 times last night for a snack. Well, what of it? Nothing disturbs you when you're sleeping. Well, she did. She had the refrigerator open so much, I woke up with frostbitten feet. <laughs> woman eats like a boa constrictor. Clara doesn't eat because she wants to. Just because she's trying to get rid of her heartburn. Oh, sure. <laughs> Where are my shoes? You're wearing them. You're a fine one to talk about other people stuffing themselves. A man who can't even see his own shoes anymore. <laughs> Do you want this frog omelet or not? No. You stop using my pants for a potholder. Well, that's what you use them for. <laughs> Just leave my pot out of this. May have a little flab around my waistline, but I don't eat one tenth as much as your fat sister. You stop calling her fat. Clara is a glandular case. The doctor says she's an ectomorph with an overactive thyroid. I don't care. She's a convertible with a hydromatic drive. She eats like she was condemned. If you say one more word against my sister, I'll never talk to you again. I wish you wouldn't tempt me that way. Oh, you pay for that, John Pickerson. I know it. You've been tearing down my family since the first day we were married. Never a kind word about any of them. That's not true. Don't I inquire about the state of your rich uncle's health every day in the week? You sure do. Every day you say, is the old goat dead yet? Well, is he? No. And when he does pass on, you can be sure he won't leave you a penny. I wouldn't touch it if he did. I may be broke, but I don't want his crooked money. I always wondered how he could travel around Europe on a bank janitor's salary. He isn't a bank janitor at all. He's one of the shrewdest manipulators in Canada. How do you think he got his title? What title? You know as well as I do, my uncle was knighted for his operations in the stock market. It was the black market. <laughs> and he wasn't knighted, he was indicted. <laughs> knighted. Well, whatever it was. He's got money and that's all that counts. And that reminds me, I need some money for a new dress. I can't give you any money this week. That's what you said last week. Well, I kept my word, didn't I? <laughs> anyway, you don't need a new dress. Yes, I do. I've been wearing this old rag for two years and I'm ashamed to go out on the street. Stay home. Wherever I go, the women whisper behind my back, 
There goes Bickerson's wife. Look how she's dressed. For heaven's sake, look how I'm dressed and I'm Bickerson. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? It means I'm barely making enough to keep body and soul together and we don't have any extra money for fancy clothes. No, but there's always plenty for your precious bourbon. Oh, now, don't start that again. I never spend a penny on this stuff. Not much. The whole house is full of empty bottles. Where'd they come from if you didn't buy them? I never bought an empty bottle in my life and you know it. I gotta get out of here, Blanche. It's getting late. Answer me, John. Why are you so attached to a lot of dead bourbon bottles? I was with them when they passed away. <laughs> Goodbye, Blanche. Wait a minute. How can you go off to work every morning of your life? Goodbye, Blanche. Now what? Is that the way a married man acts? Blanche, I'm not acting. I'll say you're not. There isn't another man in the world as thoughtless as you. Oh, Take a lesson from your friend Mel Shaw. No single morning goes by that he doesn't shower Louise with affection. He wouldn't dream of leaving the house without kissing Louise goodbye. Why don't you do that? Okay, call her up and tell her I'll be right over. <laughs> goodbye, Blanche. <laughs> I'm beginning to look like an old witch. It's true, isn't it? I wouldn't say that. Why not, John? I'll be awake for the rest of the night. Then it is true. You think I look like an old witch. I didn't say that. But you think it of me. I don't think anything of you. You don't think anything of me is right. You don't even know I exist. Blanche, what's the matter with you? Why don't you let me sleep? You know I have to catch a plane at 7 in the morning. Then why did you come home so late? I told you 50 times my car broke down and I had to push it home. A likely story. Blanche, what do you want me to say? If your car broke down, why didn't you call me? I didn't have a dime. You did, too. I gave you a quarter this morning. <laughs> Who'd you take to dinner tonight? The whole chorus from the Cobra Cabana. <laughs> That's me, boy, Diamond Jim Bickerson. Why don't you let me sleep, Blanche? never even thought of calling me. I sat here at one o'clock in the morning worrying myself into a stew. What'd you eat? Stew. <laughs> Put out the lights, Blanche. You sure have the answers, don't you, John? Answers, questions. All I want to do is close my eyes for a couple of hours before I take off. Sure, get up and run away. Fly all over the country. 
You don't care about me. I'm only going overnight. I'll be back on Sunday. If you cared for me, you wouldn't leave me. I'm not leaving you. I have to fly to Las Vegas on business, and I'll be gone for about 24 hours. Well, why can't you take me with you? Because you don't take a ham sandwich to a banquet. <laughs> what do you mean by that? I don't know. <laughs> Just wish you'd put out the lights and let me sleep. Tell the truth. Aren't you sorry you married me just a little bit? I'm not sorry just a little bit. You're sorry a whole lot. I'm not sorry at all. You love me still? I don't know. I never saw you that way. There you go again. It's been like this for the whole eight years of our marriage. Oh, brother. At night you won't talk because you're too sleepy. In the morning you swallow your coffee, kick the cat and go to work. You never want to talk. Mm -hmm. Not to me anyway. I mean a real conversation, John. Mm -hmm. Do you know you haven't actually spoken to me for three months? I know it. Why is that, John? I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> see? And you see, I start everything. Can't you say something nice to me once in a while? Must you always dig at me? Blanche, it's three o'clock in the morning. I don't care. I try to be sweet and you won't even be civil. Why did you marry me if you can't stand the sight of me? I can stand the sight of you. But you don't love me? Yes, I do. You don't, you don't, you don't. I tell you, I do. Then why don't you say it? I've said it until I'm blue in the face. I've made records in seven different languages. I've got your face embroidered on my underwear. I even offered to stamp out John Loves Blanche with a hot branding iron, didn't I? You wouldn't let me do it, would you? No. Why not? Because it was burning my hip. <laughs> of my love. I'm going to tell you for the last time, Blanche, no man ever felt about a woman the way I do about you. Honest? Honest. Do you really despise me? You know I do. What? I mean, no. Now, you know darn well you deliberately trapped me into that. You stop tormenting me, Blanche. Go ahead, scream at me, and then run out of town. Leave me here to die. What's the matter now? I'm sick. I get fainting spells all the time, and the doctor doesn't know what it is. I know I'll never recover. Oh, don't be silly. You'll recover. You've got a healthy constitution. I have not. You had two. You had pneumonia, and you got well. You had the flu, and you got well. You had the mumps, and you got well. You've had 60 diseases, and you always got well. I never saw such a healthy woman in all my life. Holy it's a good thing we don't have any children. Oh, dear. I can just imagine what kind of a life a poor little child would have in this house. Mm. To have a father who constantly raves and rants, selfish and thoughtless. A man who can't bear the sight of his own child. What are you talking about? Me, sick in bed, and a poor little infant crying in the crib, crying his heart out for a little attention. Blanche! Why don't you feed the baby, John? <laughs> Why don't you stop knocking yourself out? You know I had to be on my toes when I get to Las Vegas. Do you want me to lose my job? I don't care if you do. Blanche, I beg you, don't make me miss that plane. Why do you have to go? Why doesn't your boss take the plane? My boss is an old man and he's confined to a wheelchair. He's a sexagenarian. <laughs> Imagine, at his age, too. <laughs> Why do you work for such horrible people, John? There's nothing wrong with my boss. Well, I won't sleep a wink all the time you're away. You going on a safe airplane? There's no danger. Just go to sleep and don't worry. Well, get me my sleeping pills from the bathroom. Sleeping pills? <laughs> Why don't you take them before you go to bed? It's almost time to get up. Oh, hurry up and get them before I fall asleep. Who stole my slipper? I packed it away in your satchel. Have you got the key? 
It hasn't got a lock. I'll have to cut the string. <laughs> Probably at the bottom of the bag. John, I thought you said it was a safe plane. It is safe. Then why are you taking that parachute? What parachute? These are the shorts you gave me for Christmas. <laughs> them like that. Can't you find your slipper? I got it. One slipper. The only man in the world with one slipper. Oh, stop complaining. How can a man check into a hotel with one slipper? Lots of men have checked into hotels with worse things. <laughs> Get me my sleeping pills. I can't find any sleeping pills. They're on the top shelf in the green bottle. Are these the sleeping pills? Sure they are. I've been taking three a day. I thought they were vitamin capsules. No wonder they didn't pep me up. Put out the lights. Wait a minute. How do you expect me to take a pill? Hmm? Get me a glass of water, John. Oh, nuts. Don't disturb the canary. Okay, okay. Here, here's your water. Here. Good night. John? Hmm? This water tastes funny. Did you let it run? No. Why not? The cat was sleeping in the sink and I didn't want to disturb it. Well, where did you get the water? I dipped it out of the goldfish bowl. John! Oh, don't get hysterical. Water's all right. I took it out of the icebox. Put out the lights and let me sleep. I'd have been asleep hours ago if it wasn't for your snoring. Oh. Can I help it if I snore? Yes, you can. Dr. Hersey says you snore because you have a long pedicle and it dangles on your esophagus. Put out the lights. He says he can cure it in his office with a very simple operation. Why don't you let him fix it? I'll go down there when I get back. You say it, but you won't do it. Do it now. What? Go on, get up and let Dr. Hersey pull out your pedicle. Are you out of your mind, Blanche? It's three o'clock in the morning. And I'm not going to let that horse doctor chop on my pedicle. He doesn't chop his lips. I don't care if he shoots it off with a 22. <laughs> Nobody is going to pull out my pedicle. Now, will you please let me close my eyes for five minutes? I bet you'd do it quick enough if Gloria Gooseby asked you to. Not, don't start with Gloria Gooseby. If you were married to her, she'd scream so loud you'd give up in a hurry. She always screams and I never give up. What? <laughs> Exhausted, I don't know what I'm saying. Please, Blanche, can't you understand? I gotta be in shape for my trip in the morning. Well, all right. Have you got your plane ticket? No, I didn't have time to pick it up. I'll get it at the airport. What are you gonna do for money? I've got enough. There's plenty in the sugar bowl. There's nothing in the sugar bowl. There is, too. I looked last night. You didn't look tonight. Well, I'm not gonna get up and look. Blanche, you didn't. Didn't I? You couldn't. I mean, you wouldn't take you that... You really have to make this trip, John, and I was just thinking... The money, if... Blanche. Yes, well, I have an opportunity to get a sweet little hat. You can wear it with the brim up or you can turn it down. It's $50. Turn it down. Well, I was thinking... Blanche, stop thinking so much. Where is my plane fare? I haven't got it, John. What? Oh, Blanche, don't tell me you spent it on something foolish. No, I gave it to a bookbinder. A bookbinder? What do we need with a bookbinder? Our book is in perfect condition. Not that kind of a bookbinder. This man goes to the racetrack. He's a trout. Trout? <laughs> racetrack? Oh, Blanche, did you bet that money with a bookmaker? I was doing it for you, John. I wanted to make enough money so you could buy me a new fur coat for my birthday. Doing it for me? How can you squander my money like that? I deny myself everything. 
I've been sewing collars on your old bloomers and worrying for turtlenecks and crickets. I don't even drink my bourbon anymore. I just chew on the cork and hit myself over the head with a bottle. I never spend a penny on myself. You bought a tie pin last week. It wasn't a tie pin, it was a hypodermic needle. I've been sucking my blood. You listen to me, Blanche. Things are going to be different around here. From now on, I'm going to spend the money and you can do the working. What? I'm going to blow every penny on myself. <laughs> Buy all the things I've always longed for. New pants with zippers instead of paper clips. <laughs> Real face lotion instead of fly spray. <laughs> I'm even going to buy three silver faucets for the bathtub. Three faucets? Hot, cold, and bourbon. <laughs> and if you want to bet on the races, I'll give you something to bet on. You're going to buy me a racehorse. John, you're out of your mind. I can't get you a racehorse. Yes, you can. They sell them at the racetrack. Do you hear me? All right, I'll go in the morning. You say it, but you won't do it. Do it now. What? Go on, get up and buy me a horse. I don't care. You've had it coming to you for a long I've time. I've never been so unhappy in all my life. You think I had to meet a man with such an awful disposition? I wish I had known that you were such a terrible, low-down character before I married you. Go on, you knew it, and so did everybody else. How any man could have such a savage temper. Believe me, John Vickerson, I'd pack up and go home to my mother if it wasn't for one thing. What's that? My mother packed up and went home to her mother. Listen, Blanche, do you think I enjoy sitting up all night fighting like this? Have you ever asked yourself the reason why we argue so much? I can't understand it. Well, just think for a minute. Why is it that an easygoing fella, a guy who would run a mile to avoid a fight, why is it that I turn into a demon every night of my life? You've got me, John. That's the reason. <laughs> Good night, Blanche. Good night, John. boy. The cat. I haven't seen him all morning. I think he ran off. He didn't run off. He's under the car with me. Where? Right here. John, that black alley cat isn't ours. Nature boy has a golden coat. That's him. <laughs> I've been petting him. I mean, you've been wiping your hands on him. Okay, so I've been wiping my hands on him. I couldn't find a rag. You want to be ashamed of yourself. Look at that poor thing. Looks like he fell in a tar pit. Well, he had no business to come sniffing around while I was draining the oil. Put him in the washing machine. <laughs> you insane man, I really believe you want to do away with him. How can you say a thing like that? You don't fool me, John Dickinson. I know what happened to the other cat we had. What other cat? The big gray one, Joy Boy. Joy Boy? You know, the one you said committed suicide after you caught him in the liquor closet? <laughs> he did commit suicide, Blanche. Cats have been known to commit suicide. They don't hang themselves. <laughs> he didn't hang himself. He got his neck tangled in a ball of string and I was trying to unloosen it when you walked in. So don't start making me into a cat killer. You stop using Nature Boy for a grease rag. How long are you going to be working on that pile of junk? Till I get it fixed. You finally get a vacation, and how do you spend it? Under a car. Well, I'm happy here. Before you came out, it was nice and quiet. You've got a whole week.
week off from your job. Why don't you do something with it? What do you want me to do, Blanche? Go down and collect your unemployment insurance. <laughs> you want me thrown in jail? You know I'm getting paid while I'm on vacation. Stop waving that oil can around. It's pouring all over the seat. Wipe it up, John. Okay, hand me the cat. You need your cloth. Here, use this cloth. How much longer are you going to be? I'm almost through. Grab hold of that wire, will you, Blanche? This one? Yeah. Feel anything? No, why? Nothing. I just wanted to see if it was connected to the battery. John Dickerson! Oh, take it easy. The battery is dead anyway. You've got to get it recharged. No, you're not. You've squandered enough money on this car. What are you talking about? The only things I've bought in the last two years are a windshield wiper and a crank handle. If you didn't throw money away on all those fancy accessories, fancy we could have... Fancy accessories. Yes, maybe we can afford a decent car. There's nothing wrong with this car. Anybody will tell you that 1932 was a great year for Essex. Then why do you have to fool around with it so much? I'm not fooling with it. You always have to make these minor adjustments till the car gets broken in. You better move, Blanche, unless you want to get this paint over you. Are you going to paint the tires? I have to. The tubes are showing through. John, if you take my advice, you'll trade this thing in. I'm not making any trades unless I can get a good deal. Well, how you know you can't? Have you tried the smiling Irishman? I tried the smiling Irishman. What did he say? He didn't say anything. He laughed out loud. <laughs> That's because you're not a good businessman. I'll bet my brother-in-law Barney could make a good trade for you. Barney. Barney's a shrewd businessman. He can get things from people. He got plenty from me, all right. I wish you were more like him. Barney makes good everywhere he goes. Even when he was in the army, he worked himself up to a field marshal. He worked himself up to a buck private. How can you say that? You know very well we got word they made him a field marshal. He was a private and he was court martial. <laughs> Not field marshal. Stop yelling, the neighbors are looking. Well, don't rile me up about Barney. That's the one man I hate in the world more than that cat. Sorry, John. I just thought we'd do something together on your vacation. Do you know the headlights are on? Headlights? I thought the battery was dead. I must have had the wires crossed. Boy, what a lucky break. Now you can give me a driving lesson. A driving lesson? John, you've been promising me for two years you'd teach me how to drive. Not today, Blanche. Why not? Well, it's such a nice day, I thought I might drive downtown and sneak into the ball game. Never mind that ball game talk. I know what you're thinking of. What am I thinking of? You're thinking of Murphy's Bar and Grill, and I'm not letting you go near that saloon again. I never go near Murphy's Bar and Grill, and that's the farthest thing from my mind. Why must you always accuse me of being preoccupied with drinking? All right, forget it. Have you got gas in the car? Yes, I put a fifth in yesterday. <laughs> I mean, five gallons. Well, that's fine. Well, are you going to teach me to drive, or aren't you? Oh, get in. All right. Now, what do I do? Just relax. Now, I want to explain a few things first. Teaching a wife to drive requires a great deal of patience and understanding. And we'll get along fine if you'll just listen to me and... Do as I tell you. If I tell you to put out your hand and slow down, don't step on the gas and speed up. If I say pull over to the right, do it now, not later. If I say there's a yellow light, come to a stop. Don't step on the gas and try to beat it. Because if you get away with it, from then on you'll be speeding, going through lights. And I'll get a ticket and have my license revoked and it's all your fault. Get out of the car, friends! <laughs> Well, you better not do anything. <laughs> now, start the motor. Shift the first, let out the clutch, and feed the gas slowly. 
Have you got that? Yes. Start the car. Well, the seat's too far back. It's not too far back. But I can't see the radiator cap. Why do you want to see the radiator cap? How else can I aim it? <laughs> you steer it. You don't aim it. It's not a weapon. Let's go. Now, don't rush me. Let's see. Put the clutch in. Shift to first. Let the clutch up. Easy. Feed gas. There. Well, why aren't we moving? You didn't start the motor. What motor? The one that comes with the car. What do you mean, what motor? Don't snap at me. I'm not snapping. Start the car. Oh, all right. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. What's wrong? Am I going too fast? You're not moving. Take your foot off. Wrench the motor won't start unless you turn on the ignition. Where's the ignition? On the dashboard. There. The key is in it. Well, why do you have to lock it? Nobody's going to steal your ignition. All right, you got it started. Now, put it in first, let the clutch out easy, and you'll roll along smoothly and slowly. Easy. John, where are you? I'm in the glove compartment. Are you all right? I'm fine. You're not hurt, are you, John? No, I'm not hurt. But the car's finished. Are you satisfied now? I just happened to think. Today's Friday the 13th. Wouldn't have made any difference. I'm a doomed man, Blanche. I'm sorry, John. Honest, I am. Let's get out of this thing. Have we got any insurance? No. Please forgive me. Forget it. I guess I don't deserve to live. I give you nothing but trouble. Don't talk, Blanche. Why don't you punish me? Get rid of me. Other men do it. I once read where a Russian farmer traded his wife for an old cow. Would you do that, John? Do what? Trade me for an old cow? No. But I'd hate anybody to tempt me with a new Cadillac. Come on, Blanche, let's walk home. Hello? Yes, Mrs. Peavy. I've been away for three days. I just walked in. Oh, I know. I'm terribly sorry. I'll see if I can stop him. Good night. She says you sound like a Hotchkiss reciprocating force pump draining a peat bog and comic What are you talking about, Blanche? You heard me. The neighbors won't stand for it much longer. That Mrs. Peavy says she's had enough. She's revolting. I know. I've seen her. <laughs> Husband's no bargain either. Put out the lights. Stop it if you want to. I know you can. No other man snores like you. How do you know? <laughs> I talk to my women friends. 
Their husbands sleep so quietly they have to keep waking them to see if they're dead. It's no use. They get you coming or going. That's the third call I've had this week. I wouldn't mind so much, except I can hardly walk to the phone on this horrible sprained ankle of mine. Who told you to sprain your ankle? Nobody told me. I was trying to hang my clothes in the closet, and I slid my foot on one of your old bourbon bottles. Heavens, Blanche, did you break it? No, it's only a sprain. I mean the bottle. The bottle was empty, and I might have known you wouldn't be thinking of me. Always thinking of you. Put out the lights, I will not. My ankle's so swollen now, I think I better call the doctor. You don't need the doctor. If you keep exercising it, it'll be fine. Go take a walk around the block. I just know I can't walk at all anymore. How do you know until you test it? Go on, kick the cat a few times and see how it feels. I gotta get some sleep, guys. How can you be like that, John? Why don't you do something for me? In the morning. I can't understand what's happened to you, John. You used to be so considerate. Since you married me, you've got no sympathy at all. I have, too. I got everybody's sympathy. That's right. Add insult to injury. The least you can do is get up and massage my ankle. Okay, I'll massage it. Where's the chicken fat? Chicken fat? You and your insane remedies. Go get one of those elastic bandages. Where will I get an elastic bandage at 2 o'clock in the morning? There's an all-night drugstore three blocks from here. Blanche, darling, just rest now, and I'll get you the bandage in the morning. What good is that? How do I know my ankle will still hurt in the morning? I'll twist it. Please, <laughs> Blanche, will you let me get a couple of hours sleep? You know I got an interview for a new job tomorrow. Well, you still haven't told me why you got fired, John. I'll tell you why. It's because you keep me awake all night, and when I get to the office, I'm dead on my feet. It's just like a man. Blame me. Losing your job has nothing to do with losing your sleep. Not much. You don't concentrate on your work because you've lost your ambition. You're not the same man I married, John. Brother, you can say that again. Whatever happened to your get up and go? It got up and went. I'll tell you what happened. You've lost interest in everything except that precious bourbon of yours. Now, just a minute, Blanche. I married a great big corkscrew. I resent that. I don't care. You can accuse me of not having any ambition or anything else, but drinking is not one of my failures. No, it's one of your few successes. <laughs> the only reason I use bourbon is because the doctor prescribed it. He said I'd stop snoring if I took a jigger of bourbon and two aspirins every night. That's not what you do, though. Yes, it is. It is not. You're six months behind on the aspirin and two years ahead on the bourbon. Well, aspirin gives me a headache. Stop talking like that. I never touch the stuff when I'm working. Then why do you keep getting fired? Because no man can serve two masters. So it's my fault, is it? Since when do I boss you around? You know very well I let you have your own way in almost everything I want. You've been running me for years. I have not. It started right at the altar. When I said I do, you said, oh, no, you don't. Put out the lights. What? I said, put out the lights. You mean you're actually going to let me sleep? I let you sleep for a whole week, didn't I? Three days. And you wanted to stay with your sister. I didn't tell you to go. Well, I just hate to think of what you've done to this place since I've been gone. I suppose you left a stack of dirty dishes in the sink. No dishes. Were the animals fed regularly? Every day. Well, the water in the goldfish bowl should have been changed yesterday. I changed it. I cleaned up everything. How's the canary? I don't know. I haven't seen him since I vacuumed his cage. <laughs> oh, don't blow your top. The canary's fine. And don't frighten me like that. Where's nature boy? Who's nature boy? The cat. Did you let him out tonight? No. Why not? He never came in. <laughs> Listen, Blanche, I knock myself out working all day and then come home and have to play nursemaid to a broken-down canary and an alley cat. He's a beautiful cat, and I love him. Well, I hate him. 
You wouldn't feel that way if you get a little friendly with him. It's easy to make up to a cat. Mm -hmm. Why don't you bring him something to play with? I'll bring him a dog in the morning. <laughs> Good night, Blanche. I suppose I'll have to get some groceries in the morning. Are there any eggs for breakfast? No. Then you'll have to eat out. Doesn't matter. I've been doing it for three days. Why didn't you eat home? There was plenty of food here in the house. I left you enough food for a whole week. Go to sleep. I cooked a whole bathtub full of rice. What happened to it? I took a bath in it. Why didn't you eat it? I told you a million times I can't stand the sight of rice. Why not? Because it's connected with one of the saddest mistakes in my life. Blanche, why don't you let me sleep? Don't you care how I feel? But you'll be sorry after I'm gone. Where are you going? Leave me alone. What's the matter, Blanche? Is it your ankle again? What is it? No, I've got that other dreadful pain again. What pain? It's my head. I've had it off and on for three weeks. Well, take it off now and go to sleep. Well, of all the unseen... Now, look, Blanche, I know about that pain in your head. You knocked it against the cupboard, and I happen to know you did it on purpose. Well, what if I did? I only did it to get a little sympathy from you. Blanche, you're the most selfish woman in the world. You're always killing yourself to get my sympathy. Last year, you had your appendix removed. Six months ago, you had your tonsils taken out. Two weeks ago, you had five teeth pulled. You'll run out of parts before I run out of <laughs> You keep your voice down. Do you want to wake little George? Who's little George? Clara's baby. Who's Clara? My sister, the one I stayed with in Peapack. Peapack. Have you forgotten that Clara and Barney had a baby? Are you talking about that hulking dollop that weighed 17 pounds when he was born? 16, and he isn't hulking. He's three months old, and he barely weighs 90 pounds. <laughs> 90 pounds? And that's with his clothes on. He only wears a diaper. I told you to lower your voice, John. You'll wake him up. Oh, how can he hear me in P-Pack? He isn't in P-Pack. He's in the bathroom. Bathroom? What's that elephant doing in my bathroom? I brought him back with me. Clara and Barney are going to a formal at the United Nations pool hall. Couldn't they get a sitter for one night? Well, I wanted the baby here to keep me company while you're in the hospital. I must be going out of my mind. What's this hospital bit? Well, Dr. Hersey's ranged everything. You're not working now, and you've got the time. At 8 o'clock in the morning, he's going to operate on you and snip your pedicle. What for? <laughs> to cure your snoring. I've packed your bag and everything. What does that man want from me? Last week, he wanted to shorten my uvula. Now he wants to snip my pedicle. Now, don't go getting excited. Dr. Hersey says you're to get a good night's rest and be in a basal state for the operation. I knew you were up to something. Put off the lights. Yes, dear. Soon as you give George his three o'clock feeding. What? His formula's in the kitchen. Warm it up and take it in, children. Go on, John. Get up and feed the baby. Nobody would believe this. Where's my I didn't pack it in the bag. It's still under your pillow. You packed everything else in there. Why didn't you pack the slipper? Well, I didn't know how soon you'd be walking. Walking? I thought he was going to operate on my nose. He is, but you never can tell about complications. What a life I lead. A short uvula, no pedicle, and one slipper. Oh, hurry up and get George's formula before he starts to cry. And the cat's home again. Careful you don't step on him. Where's his formula? I can't find any formula. It's in the icebox, right next to the flounder I bought for dinner. There's no flounder and no formula. Put out the light. Did you look in the yellow?
yellow bowl? I looked in the yellow bowl. Well, what's in it? Just the cat. John Bickerson, did that cat eat the flounder in George's food? I don't know, but he's sitting in the icebox, picking his teeth with the bones and wiping his face with a diaper. That's terrible. What do we feed little George? Feed him the cat. How can you be so heartless, John? The child has to be fed every half hour. He's wasting away. Wasting away? He weighs more than I do. I think I hear him yelping already. Go in there and rock him to sleep. I'll be glad to. Where's a rock? Now, you stop talking like that. I'm responsible for that child, and you'd better see that he's fed. What do you want me to give him, Blanche? Clara gave me a half a dozen cans of baby food. Go on, get up and boil him some. I'll boil him. (laughs) This is the night's rest I get before I go to the hospital to get my nose whacked off. Where's the stuff? On the kitchen table, and you needn't warm it or put it into a dish. He's hungry enough to eat it as it is. Just take it to him in the can. All right, all right. Put out the lights. Have you gone crazy, John? What do you mean throwing the can in there like that? How do you expect him to get at the food? There's a can opener on the wall. John Pickerson. Oh, please, Blanche. He isn't hungry and he isn't crying. He's in there sleeping like a horse. I didn't even look at him. I didn't have to look at him. I heard him snoring. Please let me get a little rest. I'll never be strong enough for the operation tomorrow. Oh, don't be so dramatic about the operation. Thousands of people have operations every day. You wouldn't hear me carry on like that if I was going to have an operation. Not much. You had to take ether to have glasses fitted. Well, I'm very sensitive around the eyes. Anyway, the surgery you're going to have is not a bit serious. It isn't going to be serious because I'm not gone. I'm not gone, you hear me? You have to. I've already paid Dr. Hersey. He wanted $40 for the operation and $10 for the anesthetic. I'll take the anesthetic without the operation. You're getting the operation without the anesthetic. What? That's the last straw, Blanche. Now you've done it. George is awake. Who's George? The baby. You woke him up. I don't care. I didn't send for him. Well, you go get him. Bring him out here and I'll take care of him. Go on, John. Get George. Oh, what's the use? Where's my slipper? You packed it back in your bag. What did you pack these lace curtains in here for? They're not lace curtains. Those are your shorts. I made a mistake. Instead of draining them in Rinso, I rinsed them in Drano. Well, where's my other pair? Why didn't you pack those? Well, I couldn't. The baby's wearing them. Clara forgot to leave a change. You should have bought him something. Well, I tried. He wears an outsized diaper, and they have to be made to order. Hurry up and wheel him out. Three months old. Look at the size of him. He's built like a brick schoolhouse. He's a perfectly normal, healthy baby. He can't help it if he's big. His mother and father are big. Big what? I think he's adorable. He looks just like Clara. Turn him over. Let me see his face. That is his face. Oh. Was this crib made to order for him? Of course not. You can buy them anywhere for three ninety-eight. So that's little George. Yes, and I'm going to have the pleasure of him all the time you're in the hospital. Mm. Look at him lying there like a little cherub, so innocent in sleep. Soon he'll be walking, and in a little while he'll begin to talk. He'll say such cute things. And his first day at school, he'll be so scared. Maybe he'll be a wonderful scholar or a great athlete. He'll grow into manhood, handsome and strong. He might be a doctor or a lawyer. He might even grow up to be the president of the United States. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. What are you thinking of, darling? How can they make a crib like that for three ninety-eight? <laughs> 
Good night, Prince. Good night, George. Please send your questions and comments to host at classiccomedyotr.com. Come back next Monday for our first episode of The Aldrich Family, which will be the next show that we feature on our podcast. Check in on Wednesday for the next installment of The Bob Hope Show. Until next time, in the words of Nelson Mandela, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it.